This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm David Marsland, and this is The Leader. They're back. They got the drums out and everything. After a bit of a COVID-enforced hiatus, hundreds of activists crammed into Trafalgar Square to start two weeks of climate rallies. Extinction Rebellion co-founder Gail Bradbrook addressed the crowds. So just really wanting to welcome everybody here, and I want to give a special welcome to any rebel virgins. Anybody here for the first time? Yeah, I saw your hand go up. I told you I'm feeling horny at the minute, so watch out. London's seen all of this before, of course, on a much bigger scale and to much bigger audiences. A lot of the city is still working at home. So what's a post-COVID extinction rebellion all about and can it have an impact? I'm joined now by journalist Sam Fishwick, who's been spending time with the XR activists. Sam, I'm intrigued as to why they're launching this now. I'm extremely intrigued as well. The focus of this rebellion, the the impossible rebellion, as they're calling it, is to shut down the financial sector, to, to really aim for the banks. This doesn't quite square with the, the modern sort of teleworking phenomenon. Even as people come back from their, their summer holidays, they will be working from home. And I, I did put this to Extinction Rebellion. They said, for what we have planned, it's not an issue. If it's an Occupy movement, Occupy movements both love and abhor a vacuum and want to fill them. They certainly want to occupy banking spaces. So, you know, if you are Barclays HQ, uh, lock up your doors. But it's a very good point, David. Uh, But even if people aren't going back to work, the eyes of the media will be better trained and therein is a small tick. They're definitely making a lot of noise. They've got the drums out. There's been lots of chanting. But does this have the same energy as previous XR protests? We've seen things like boats being carried out and taken over the streets. Well, the boat's meant to be back, David. That is the good news for boat fans. It could be longer than two weeks. I mean, the intention really is there to glue themselves to the scene until until they, until their demands are met. And they have a very specific demand this time, which is that the UK government stop investing or stop all fossil fuel investments right now. Uh, then they won't leave until they do. Plus the usual goals of meeting net zero climate contribution, the earlier the better. But there really is an urgency to the message this time which I think they're hoping that the London public will respond to, perhaps more so than we saw last year during the pandemic and the year before that, when they, perhaps the messaging was a little off after the sort of 
stunts you saw where they'd glue themselves to the top of tube trains. It's easy to be won over when you see, you know, two months of rainfall falling in 90 minutes in London, when you see forests across Algeria, you know, being stripped to the, their ashes. They're here for the long haul. Yeah, do they feel like they have the momentum because of those things? You know, like the wildfires in Greece, people are actually seeing the climate change crisis that Extinction Rebellion have been saying is going to happen. I think they feel angrier than they ever have done, and they're less sympathetic to, to those who don't. I mean, XR have traditionally been a sort of broad arms, all-in movement. They are willing to talk and communicate. And... They are willing to talk and communicate this time, but there's much more focus on conveying their message to the public. They want to sit people down. They want to talk to them. But they also, their main message is that time is not just running out. Time has run out. And we are seeing the praxis of climate change theory in action. But they have in the past been somewhat dismissed as being fairly old white middle-class people apparently having some kind of little last protest hurrah. Is it still that kind of group? Is it the same Extinction Rebellion that we've seen before that's out today? We're seeing today Elton Trafalgar Square. There are 500 protesters, uh, which is a smaller number than traditionally turn out for XR marches, but but it's a Monday. Are they the, 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 the group that Boris Johnson dismissed as... Uncooperative crusties and protesters of all kinds uh, littering the the road do you know i sat in on a on a on a climate crisis zoom meeting uh which xr hosts and yes the, the people who kept their zoom cameras on did tend to be the sort of more benevolent bespectacled silver-haired climate crusaders i think there's a lot of youthful energy coming into extinction rebellion they've had a lot of sign-ups in the last month or so they feel very strongly about not putting this burden on the youth and the young. Uh, there's that Greta Thunberg line, is they're not about how dare you, how dare you put this on our generation. But you do feel that without young people as part of the movement, it, 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 it sort of is speaking to itself. Can it make much of a difference, though? Has it made much of a difference with previous uh, protests? Yeah, there have been real-world gains from Extinction Rebellion. When I spoke to Gail Bradbrook, one of the co-founders, she, you know, she pointed out the frequent flyers tax that's been brought in by the government. This is a big win. Support from people like Mark Carney, the former uh, chief of the Bank of England for for uh, you know green taxes and carbon taxes. But these are these are these are small victories, and and I don't think she really sees them as victories. And I don't think Extinction Rebellion really sees them as victories. Uh, I, you know, victory is, it, it is such an abstract concept, uh, it, it's, but also a very hard concept. You know, they want complete reform of the way uh, the energy market works, the way we consume energy, and the way we look after this planet's ecology and climate. It, it, until you start seeing radical change, they're not going to be happy. And we'll see who runs out of steam first. But can that sort of change come through the inconveniences being caused to ordinary Londoners? Isn't this the sort of thing that should be happening in lobbying campaigns in the, in the back streets around Westminster? Yeah, there's a big split in Extinction Rebellion at the moment. This is really the precursor to COP26, the uh, climate summit in November. Wing of Extinction Rebellion, as it's been explained to me, want to see hard change. There's also a, 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 a really voluble section of Extinction Rebellion who see COP26 as uh, a failed project before it's even arrived, because there have been 25 others. And we don't see radical reform. 
And there's always a groundswell of optimism around climate conferences. We think back to Kyoto. They find it very difficult to square the circle. And I'm I'm not sure I can really blame them. You've been talking to Extinction Rebellion for, for, for years now. I think one of the first conversations we ever had was when you were hanging out with Druids on, <laughs> on Westminster Bridge. But um, over that time, do you feel like they have changed? Do you feel... I mean, what do you think of them? Do you think they're a competent campaign group? Look, in terms of their visibility, they're there and they show up and they have an impact on um, the wider public consciousness. They irritate people, they rub people up the wrong way, and they frequently aggravate Londoners just trying to get on their way. Do I think they're effective? Yes. Do I think they're a good thing? I'm ambivalent. Do I think the message now outweighs their the, the, the sort of organisation itself? Absolutely. And that's the leader. Check out standard.co.uk for more coverage of this story. Follow the live blog for breaking news. We're back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.